Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. This week, we sit down with Prefert Director of Marketing, Miss Courtney Dyer. Throughout this episode, we will go through the history of the Prefert family and many of the products that they have to offer. You will hear the reoccurring themes of family, safety, and innovation. And after listening to Courtney's episode, you will hear many examples of how these traits are exemplified through the storied history of the Prefert family. To learn more about the incredible products that Prefert has to offer, visit Prefert.com. That's P-R-I-E-F-E-R-T dot com. Should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Prefert's Director of Marketing, Courtney Dyer. Yeah, it's it's really been a kind of a different world with everything happening globally with the coronavirus pandemic and us trying to adapt to working around that. Um, we are considered an essential business. We provide um, everything from steel as part of the supply chain that goes into manufacturing hospital doors uh, to necessary livestock equipment for the agriculture industry. Uh, so as an essential business, trying to make sure that we do everything we can do uh, to keep our workers safe, but still keep the doors open and keep supplying those other important essential businesses downstream from us uh, has really been a challenge, uh, but one that we've risen to, and, and that's been great credit to the family that owns our company, the management that runs our company, and all of the employees who have kind of pitched in and helped us problem solve this as we go, which, you know, was not what we had planned. <laughs> no, exactly. It's been a struggle for everybody finding that balance, and I think it's almost, it's easy if you're toted as a non-essential business, right? Because you can just close up shop and you'll figure out other ways to make money or or at least weather the storm, per se. Uh, right. But for those companies that are deemed essential or support essential industries, I mean, you're going to have to cut personnel from a standpoint of you're not you're not going to be running operationally right at, at full capacity. However, the demand for the product is still there, you know. So finding that balance of hey, can we keep enough people in the shop to stay afloat? Yet we also got a bunch of stuff going out the back door that that needs to get to industries that are that are at the front lines of this this fight with COVID. It's it's incredible, and I, I can only imagine on your guys' scale, on a preferred scale, what that takes to get that done successfully. It's most commendable. It's It's been a challenge. You know, we've got as much of the office staff working from home. Everybody's working remotely. We've, we've kind of overcome those internet challenges, and we're yeah. kind of in a rural area of East Texas, so coming, you know, all of a sudden from everybody in the office to trying to figure out, do you have home internet? Is it fast <laughs> enough to support working remotely? Yes, um, yes. We've kind of jumped those hurdles. Uh, and then obviously there have been some changes to production, um, you know, changing the way that we do some processes in the plant. Luckily, most of what we do, you know, at individual stations, moving everything by forklift, our workers are pretty much spaced out already in the plant. So that's kind of helped. But it's definitely been different from a management yeah. perspective, a sales perspective, marketing, all of those administrative tasks you mentioned. Uh, it, it looks a little bit different. We've gotten really good with, you know, the conference calls and the online Zoom meetings yeah. and, and things like yeah. that. So. Yeah. Not things that the ranch equipment company normally does. We're normally not quite this high tech. We're more of the old fashioned in person, yes, you know, yes, kind of pen company. And paper, yeah, phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, it's it's forced us to modernize, I guess, in some ways. If you want to find the silver lining, yeah, I was gonna say you're either gonna get on board or you got to get out because yeah, uh, absolutely, it's creating a it's creating a whole new set of challenges here with this pandemic. And uh, I want to go into later on in this conversation, we'll talk about the progression of prefert. And how it is just more than than the equine industry and the cattle industry. But let's touch on being that Preford is truly made in, made in America. It was founded in America. It's a family-run business. I'd like to get into some of the history and how Marvin started this out of necessity, not only kind of financially, but there was a need within the cattle market at the given time. And, and let's walk through the stages of Preford all the way up until now, like you talked about, supporting hospital infrastructure and things of that sort. So we'll start small and, and talk about the growth from there. Absolutely. Well, and that's exactly how our company started. It was very small. Marvin Prefert was our founder. Marvin grew up in Nebraska uh, as a farmer. He and his brothers uh, had to take over the family farm really early. His dad died when he was only 13. Uh, Marvin just had a natural gift for inventing things. 
He went and served in World War II, came back uh, after training as a diesel mechanic, and then <clears throat> started tinkering with things on the farm. You know, they couldn't afford to go buy new equipment, so he would invent equipment, everything from a grain loader to a hay bale loader to all sorts of different um, plows and implements and things like that. Well, as the family grew, the piece of family property in Nebraska wasn't big enough to support everybody. So Marvin, his wife, Johnny, uh, and their kids, Bill, Mickey, and Vicki, all moved to Texas. And they actually planned to farm. They bought an orange grove uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. The day before they took possession, Texas had one of those crazy winters that we rarely get where everything in South Texas had a hard freeze. Yeah, froze over. So they literally lost everything before they got started. So he just kind of took that as a sign from God that that wasn't where the family was supposed to be. <laughs> Citrus is not it. Let's yeah. move on to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> Definitely need to go somewhere else. So they looked around, found a piece of property they loved in East Texas, which was right in the heart of cattle country at that time in the early 60s. Um, so he decided, all right, I'm going to learn to be a cattleman. Had never had livestock before. Didn't know anything about them. So in the process of learning to be a cattleman, he was working with his neighbor, helping them work their cattle. And they had an old guillotine style head gate. And Marvin was like, whoa, this is just not a good way to do this. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. So he went home, invented a new side opening, you know, it closed around the side of the animal's neck instead of from the top and bottom. And then mm -hmm. it opened all the way wide, let the animal walk out of the front instead of having to back them out. Yeah. He created this head gate. He showed it to his neighbor and said, what do you think? And the neighbor was like, oh, man, that's that's great. I want one. Um, and so the company really started from there in, in a backyard dirt floor shop with Marvin uh, and his son, Bill, who was 14 at the time. Uh, to hear Bill tell it, they had one and a half workers when they originally <laughs> opened the door. But they started selling through local vets. And those were the first prefect dealers. And then people would come to the vet, see how easy it was, and they'd want one on their ranch. And it just really grew from there. Um, Bill went off to college, came back to the family uh, business. Marvin passed away uh, in 1988 from lung cancer uh, very early, you know, compared to what most of his siblings were. So Bill kind of took over unexpectedly yeah. early. Um, and under Bill's uh, tenure there, we, we really hit a rapid growth phase in the 90s where we expanded from just cattle equipment and a few hay accessories that we were building to entering the equine market, um, even entering the rodeo market a little bit, uh, the poultry market, things like that. So the 90s and early 2000s were really a rapid period of growth. Um, Bill's got three boys, Eddie, Nate, and Travis. All three of them grew up in the family business and, and are there now. Bill is semi-retired. He's still at the plant every day, um, but he does spend the afternoons out on the family ranch working heavy equipment because that's that's what he loves to do. His oldest son, Eddie, is now our president. Um, he oversees all the administrative aspects of the company, all of the sales aspects. Uh, his middle son, Nate, is vice president. He oversees our logistics operations and our manufacturing facility. And then his youngest son, Travis, is also a vice president, and he oversees our steel division. So the steel group was actually added back in 2012. We really kind of made it official. But <clears throat> before that, Back in 2008, during the recession, we had a lot of steel. There are a lot of trailer manufacturers in East Texas. They were looking for steel, and because we bought so much of it, we had great buying power. Yeah, uh, Better even than the trailer manufacturers, come to find out. So they started buying their steel from us to save some money, and we were able to make a little money. So that helped everybody out during those tough times. Uh, and then that just grew to the point where at one day we looked up and said, hey, we need more steel in the plant to make ranch equipment. And the guys down in our steel processing building said, no, we're busy making steel for trailers. And we were like, wait a minute. Hold on here. <laughs> this is this has gotten a little too big for us. So now that side of the company, Prefort Steel, uh, they supply oil and gas, the trailer manufacturing industry, stampers, um, the company that I mentioned earlier that builds hospital doors. Uh, there's a company that builds school chairs, just a variety of different steel needs uh, that we bring in the steel, process it, uh, and then send it on down the line for further manufacturing. Well, it's incredible as you go through this history uh, of pre for a very brief history. Uh, it's founded on necessity. It's truly a family-run operation, right? And yes. in a lot of it, the animals come first. I mean, for, for Marvin to have the ingenuity, not only mentally, but physically, right, to be able to build his first squeeze-style um, head gate, it's just absolutely incredible for him to think this up, dream it up, actually put it all together and then start running it through. And it comes comes 
full circle when you talk about it. It was built out of a necessity of handling cattle in, in a far more safe and efficient operation, proving ba- both a safer experience for the operator and safer experience for that animal. It's just absolutely incredible. Well, and those are really kind of the two tenets of our company, safety and innovation. That's something that, as you just illustrated, you know, that came from mm-hmm. Marvin. That mm-hmm. kind of came from necessity. Um, and over the years, there were several things that, you know, we were among the first to design, like, for example, chain connectors on panels. We were the first to put a chain connector on panels, and that came straight from Marvin. Bill yeah. uh, and his brother-in-law, David Bynum, really thought they had Marvin stumped and were like, hey, we want a panel that we can connect, you know, any direction. We want multiple connections, not just two connections, you know, end to end, but maybe we want to split it off and make corrals. So we want four connection points. Mm-hmm. And they really thought they had him stumped, and I think Marvin spent – about 24 hours on it, came in, <laughs> threw a chain down on the table and said, there you guys go. And they really didn't think that would work at first uh, because that was so different compared uh, to what everybody did yeah, in the industry. Yeah. But obviously that took off and worked for us. So I think from Marvin to Bill to even the boys, uh, they all hold multiple patents. And, and really it does come from that need because they also are all ranchers. Uh, Bill has the three boys. They live on the ranch. There are 11 grandkids between the three boys, um, all of them involved in rodeo or FFA, 4-H, you know, show animals. The family owns a cow-calf operation. They raise horses. Uh, Travis, the youngest son, he raises Australian shepherds. So many of the things that we build, the idea comes right off the ranch. It's something that they're doing or something that they need, or something where they run into a problem and they come into the R&D department and say, hey, man, this has got to be easier, faster, or safer. And what you talked about, what you just described, I think, is a huge testament and undoubtedly one of the reasons that you guys have been so successful for so long. I mean, typically, family-run business, right? You might make it a generation or two. It's hard to get that buy-in with further generation, with every every generation that comes up. And and you guys have stayed true to your roots. You guys have stayed true to your goals, your operations, your focus. And like you described, this stuff does not hit the market after an engineer sits here and takes a look at it and kind of dreams up <laughs> mathematically what it could be, right? These products right. are thought about by actual producers in any given field. And then they're deployed there at the Prefert Ranch to actually run through and troubleshoot in in real world scenarios and not, not a bunch of engineers or, or pencil pushers hypothetically <laughs> thinking about what might work or what might not work. Absolutely. That's 100% accurate. When we use the slogan built by ranchers for ranchers, um, that's that was not a marketing slogan. That was something that truth. was just what they did. <laughs> yeah. um, and so now, like I said, with Nate raising horses, Travis raising dogs, all of it goes right back to the ranch for R&D. And yeah. I'll just tell you a little secret. There's nobody on planet Earth harder on equipment than someone with the last name Prefer, right? <laughs> they take this stuff through its paces. They do things that no other normal human would ever think to do with a piece of equipment just to put it all the way to its limits and see yeah. what does it take to break it? You know, what does it take to make it fail? Uh, and then they go back to R&D and we kind of have that discussion. Would anybody else ever do that? Yeah. No? Okay, we're probably fine. Would somebody do it? Maybe. Okay, let's beef it up and make it stronger yeah. there or add a safety feature here. So, I mean, they really do get tested pretty extreme. And it's great for the consumer, right? Because the last thing you want to do is spend all this money getting all this steel shipped out to your place. And and the first cow that takes a shot at something ends up folding it or creasing it, you know, or defeats it. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets pinched. The panel gets knocked over on somebody. So for you guys to take that extra care in running this product through, uh, through the gamut before it makes it to the customer, it's just, it adds to the whole uh, mantra of your guys' safety and innovation. I mean, you live it. This isn't, like you said, it isn't a sales pitch. It isn't just to print on a brochure. It's what burns deep in, in the lion's share of your your employees. Well, absolutely. And if Bill's going to have, like I said, those 11 grandkids around the equipment, using the equipment, you better believe safety is very near and dear to his heart, right? Truth, because yeah. he's got to take care of his family. Yeah. Um, but from that same perspective, Bill, the boys, all of them, you know, just like the rest of us, they want things to be easy. They want things to be efficient. They want things to work. So that innovation aspect, you know, it comes from being real world producers and yeah. users of yeah. the product. You know, it's, it's really a way of life for us instead of a job. And I think that may be part of the success to a family business that's gone three generations is it's really more of a lifestyle than it is, oh, I got to get up and go into the family business business today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not thought of as a chore, right? It's something that right. something that everybody wakes up willing to try to find that answer, find a better way or, or improve on an already phenomenal product. 
in touching on some of that innovation, let's start with, uh, I know you guys were kind of founded in the cattle industry, but let's talk, let's mm-hmm. talk about some of those, those early inventions and how they've progressed, you know, and, and I know your panels are, are very well known and synonymous with the industry. If we want to take the panels by way of conversation, you know, we can start there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we actually started, um, I mentioned Bill and his brother-in-law, David. David was our first sales manager. They were the ones that convinced Marvin to get into the panel market mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm. because corral panel fever was just kind of sweeping the nation at that time. Uh, and so we started making panels initially uh, thinking of our cattle equipment and then realized that a lot of the horse owners out there like them too. So then we started working, you know, hey, let's look into equine equipment. Um, but a couple of things that really set our panels apart all the way from the beginning was they have what we call a fish hook top and a J-leg bottom. Now, you'll see a lot of panels that will have like a loop bottom, but they still have a straight uh, stay on the end or a leg that will stick in the ground. Ours always have a, a big, wide J-leg on them that keeps them on top of the ground. It helps keep them from sinking if your ground is muddy or boggy, and it also helps keep them from sticking in the ground in place. On the other side, the top corner, there's a little fish hook design. That was a Marvin Preford original. And really, it was just there to add structural integrity to the panels. The panels that were available at the time, Marvin didn't really like because you got an animal on top of them. Again, we're talking cattle. And they would crush or they would bow at the top. So he wanted something that was going to make the panel stronger. So he designed that little fish hook that puts upward pressure on that top rail from an engineering standpoint. But what they found was... It also helped in the event that an animal got on top of the panel. You know, if a horse gets up on a panel, they can't pull their legs back up to get off. They'll just slide around or down the panel. So where most panels had that bed frame style and the the animal's leg kind of went into that funnel or that leg trap, oftentimes on top of a pin that would then, you know, cause further injury to their leg. We had these chain connectors that drew our panels up right next to each other end to end, nice and tight. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. you had that fish hook, which provided a stop or depending on how fast the animals go, and kind of a ramp yeah. that would cause Send them, them to, to the step. Next panel. <laughs> right. They'd either go over or they'd step back, right? Yeah. So if they yeah. step back, then they come off the panel instead of getting tr- stuck in that leg trap. So that, I think, is really why the equine market started gravitating to these panels that uh, Marvin and, and the guys at Prefit were building at the time. And that really kind of got us interested in that market. So then we started looking at other things that we could make. Uh, you know, not just the round pins and the arenas, but things like a horse stock, the horse walkers that we make today, stalls, that whole, you know, big variety of product that we started making, like I said, in the early 90s through the mid 90s that that really was directed at the equine consumer. Yeah. And one of my biggest draws to Prefert, obviously, we've had numerous Prefert and Dorsey's on the show previously, but uh, I was out at a friend's place in Texas and he has one of your panel walkers and watching the horses exercise every morning in that seeing the programmable features of it. I mean, it, it would pay itself off in hired hand or hired help probably in less than a year. My guess would be, I bet you guys have probably done the math on it, but let's talk about those panel walkers or your whole walker line and what they do have to offer the consumer. So we do offer a traditional style lead walker, you know, where you actually secure the animal's head to an arm on the walker, you know, with a halter and a lead. But, we sell very, very few of those in comparison to our panel walker that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, some people refer to it as a free walker because the horse isn't actually tied to the walker in any way. Um, it's available in a four, six, or an eight-horse configuration. Obviously, the more horses you get, the wider the round pin, so the bigger the radius that the animals are working. It's multidirectional and uh, programmable, so you can set a routine up where they're going to walk to the left for 10 minutes, and then it's going to turn around and walk them to the right so that you're not, you know, unless you're a team roper, only interested in going left. (laughs) It's going to help you make sure you work your animal evenly on both sides in both leads, Um, and then you could take it maybe from a walk up to a trot, Um, you know, if you want to trot them and then bring them back down to a walk to pull them down. You can set all of that in your program, and if you're someone who's got a lot of horses and you've got some younger horses that maybe need a little more time on the walker before you ride them and some older horses that maybe need a little easier warm up, you can save those different programs into your control box and, uh, you know, just pick the one that you need for the group of horses you're working at that time. And yes, it definitely does save a ton on hired hands and your own time. You know, if, if you're oh, yeah. having to warm oh, horses yeah. up versus having that walker there to help warm multiple horses up yeah. for you. It's a big deal, especially for those folks that are training horses or that have, you know, a barn full of athletes. Yeah. And and what I loved about that 
that panel walker ride, it goes back to the innovation and safety thing, right? For those panels to basically escort that horse through its program, do so safely. Their head isn't tied to nothing. They can go at their own pace. The panels have give on them. So, you know, if a horse slams on the brake or kicks or whatever, they're not kicking a solid surface. They're not getting ran into by a solid panel. It's just, it was incredible to watch that piece of equipment work. And like you talked about too, to get four, you know, six, eight horses warmed up, uh, you can now do them all in one shot versus having to do one at a time. And, and when you're riding that many horses in a given day, I mean, that's two-thirds of your day you're getting back just on warm-ups alone. Well, and the crazy thing, when we first started building those, you know, we were like, well, I wonder how horses are going to take to it. If it doesn't have a lead attached to them, are they going to go? If it's not pulling them physically mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. in a circle, will they go? And uh, they really do take to it quite naturally. They, they get used to it. They understand what's happening. The funny thing, we actually had someone on social media send us a video. They had put up their new horse walker. They had put their horses in, and they had one horse that was out in the pasture that didn't go in the walker with his buddies. And so all the horses in the walker are going around in their little section, and this horse that's just out in the pasture is is hot lapping with them on the outside <laughs> of the walker. It was like, well, like yeah, I guess it's very guess, easy yeah. to train your horses to. <laughs> Twice as many horses done now, I guess. Right? We have horses on the inside working, horses on the outside working. Yeah, it was great. They were like, we were worried our horses wouldn't figure this out, but yeah. everybody got on board immediately yeah. and then it has this video attached. And of course, we're all in the office laughing, but it really, it really does work that way. I've seen a lot of horses enter the walker for the very first time. And, and like you said, they may balk a little bit, yeah. uh, but because those panels are on a swivel and they free swing, you know, you don't have anything that's going to hurt your horse and, you know, just a, a light tap on the behind there yeah. and then they yeah. get some forward motion and then they just take off and go. No, it's, uh, it was, it was really cool to watch. And, and it's just like you talked about the ease of operation, the efficiency of an equine program, right? Getting those horses exercised more regularly, the versatility of the product, you know, whether you have performance horses or the older horses just need a little extra time or you just don't have enough time in your day to exercise all of them. I mean, yes, it's going to be a decent investment, but it's an investment, right? Not an expense. Yeah. You're going to get a return on it. Absolutely. Most definitely. You know, your horses are going to stay in better shape. We've seen people who, you know, have it, use it. Uh, if they're traveling because they are in the performance horse world and they've mm-hmm. got additional horses at home that they aren't traveling with, that keeps those horses legged up and in shape so that they mm-hmm. see fewer mm-hmm. injuries mm-hmm. from them. Um, you know, there's just a ton of benefits that you could go through just from having your horses fit, healthy, and then having that walker to help you do it. It's incredible. And and all of those panels are built on the same platform, right, in which all of your stackable panels uh, are built as far as the, the tubular steel and the single run support through the middle and all that, right? Yes. So <clears throat> one of the cool things at Prefer, when we, I was talking about our steel processing capabilities mm-hmm. earlier, we actually bring steel in at the master coil level, right? So then we slid it we roll our own tube. We're not buying tubing from someone else. So um, there's tubing shapes that we make that nobody else makes that are patented to us that have uh, extra strength to them or what we call metal memory to make them more durable. So, I mean, right all the way back to the raw steel aspect, we're already engineering in that safety, that strength, that innovation. And the round pin for the horse walker, just like our regular panels, uh, has that tubing in it. It has that what we call a drilled stay. So we use a single piece stay instead of one of those slap on stays on the yeah, side or that yeah. traditional Z brace. That I just looked be a at some panels point. this morning that were Z brace panels and I felt so bad. There's a couple getting ready to buy some. I said, Oh, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because yeah. if you've ever ridden it around pin with a Z brace, yeah. you snag a stirrup, you, you bump a knee or a horse, you know, gets yeah. a little sideways. It, it, it provides a catch point. Yeah. Um, so ours, we actually drill a hole through the rails and then put a single piece of smaller diameter tubing through that and weld all the way around so it's a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have those snag points. There's not a rough edge there. And people don't think about this, but it actually takes the powder coat better, right? So all of our oh, product yeah. has an architectural grade powder coat. Yeah. And if it powder coats better, it's less likely to rust. So it's going to hold up a lot longer um, and be a lot safer in that aspect as well. Correct, correct. So before we get on to more of the commercial fields that you guys touch on, I want to... Um, elaborate it's more than just panels right you guys do a lot of fencing specifically your ponderosa fencing i mean it's incredible product it looks good it's functional it's versatile let's touch on that and then after that we'll get into some of the more industry specific stuff that you guys you guys handle absolutely so like i said in the equine market we kind of started with panels and and arenas then we went into stalls and some other things um, and people were using our panels for fencing. We were like, you know, those are nice, but they're not the most attractive fence Correct. in the world. Yeah. Right? It just looks like a panel fence. Yeah. So um, back in the early 2000s, we started toying around with fences that would look really good, uh, but would be rough stock 
level animal safe, right? You could put cattle behind it and they're going to hold up, Mm -hmm. but would be nice, gorgeous horse farm, you know, horse farm pretty, right? We wanted that nice ranch Western aesthetic. That's what we came up with. (laughs) We came up with this wood post fence that has uh, these special drilled domed holes through this round topped wooden post that we then take galvanized tubing powder coat it so you got two layers of protection there from rust and elements and then you run this rail through those wooden posts and it's what we call our ponderosa fence and it is really pretty it flows with the terrain of the land really nicely so you can go up and down hills you can do big sweeping round turns um it's just really easy to install and the best part is when you're installing it it's a no weld installation right you dig your holes you put your post in and then when you get ready to put the rails on, none, there's no welding involved. You actually feed the rails through, and they're what we call swedged at the end. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, collared down, they slide into one another, um, and, and they connect quite nicely. That's how we can do those big sweeping curves and things. And then when you get to a post, we actually have post connectors. You screw those into the post, and then it just swedges right over the end of that connector. And so super simple to put up. I could actually put the, I have actually helped put this fence up you know i'm not a welder but i have helped install this fence before i was gonna so, say i'm looking uh, at redoing my, do. <laughs> i'm looking at redoing my perimeter fence so uh, anytime you want to take a vacation to california bring some ponderosa fencing with you all that experience okay. you got no <laughs> I'll, I'll put that on on my to-do list uh, my guess is probably gonna be somewhere way down at the bottom might be on might be on page two maybe maybe <laughs> Besides the cattle industry, besides the, the equine industry, you guys serve other industries as well, all the way up into to, uh, planning and, and operational organization of entire facilities. So let's, let's elaborate some of those other industries and some of the other uh, facility planning uh, services you offer. Okay. So like I said, we started with cattle. We've talked about what we do in the equine industry. Um, we got into the rodeo industry initially with uh, a roping chute. It's now the most popular roping chute in the world. Yeah, the RC-98 was the most dominant shoot in the country for about 20 years. We upgraded that even last year, so now it's called the RC-19. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of got us into the rodeo market. Uh, 2005, we kind of got into the rough stock side, started building bucking shoots um, and full arenas, and we actually did that in a partnership with the PBR. So, you know, the toughest animal yeah. athletes on yeah. earth. Our stuff's what holds those guys. Um, and so from the rodeo equipment world, um, that's kind of how we got into, you mentioned the facility planning and things like that. We would get calls from uh, expo centers or uh, event centers, maybe universities, you know, a variety of different places that were going to be holding some sort of livestock event. And they would call us at the end to put our equipment in. And they would say, all right, we've got this wonderful facility we've built. It has a 150 by 200 arena in it. Can you come help us plan out our arena? And we want to buy the equipment from you. Well, they would have left quite literally a 150 by 200 hole. No mm-hmm. room for a return mm-hmm. alley, no room for back pins, no yeah. room for stock yeah. pins, none of that. And so then they'd have this delay, right? They'd have costly redesigns, and then they wouldn't get exactly what they wanted because the building was built only for the people that were going to use it, not for the animals. So we did a few of these, and we were like, you know, we can help people. So, uh, again, kind of that necessity thing, we created a division called Prefect Complex Designs uh, back in 2008. And they started working uh, with architects and designers at the planning stage of these facilities, whether it's a fairgrounds expo, university arena, whatever, so that they're planning for the animal use and the people use, essentially, from the beginning. So now they end up with a facility that's built to do everything they want it to do. They don't have the delays in setup and planning. They don't have the costly custom equipment that fits into a facility that wasn't built to hold it. You know, they they plan it all from the beginning. Uh, so that's kind of how Prefect Complex Designs came into being. Uh, it was kind of a byproduct, actually, of us being in that rodeo equipment world. Um, that same In that same vein, we make um, expo stalls that you're going to see at a lot of the big fairgrounds around the country. We also make small animal containment, so sheep, hog, and goat panels uh, for that smaller livestock, uh, tie panels for uh, cattle shows, livestock shows, things like that. So you're going to see those at a lot of places. Fort Worth, for example, the new Dickies Arena that just went in this year. And all of their barns, they bought a ton of the new tie panels for the cattle shows that they hold. Uh, a brand new rodeo arena that went inside Dickey's Arena. And then, of course, all kinds of expo stalls uh, in their facilities there to be able to hold the horses that come in for rodeos and other events throughout the year. So, And our PCD group actually worked with them as they were planning all those upgrades and that Dickey's facility. So 
it's really been a, a, a big deal for us. It's paid off in a big way. And, and in some ways we hope, you know, it's helped the industry get better too. Oh, absolutely. Because you guys are helping to kind of get ahead of a lot of these problems, right? And, and like you talked about, how many events are just kind of thrown together? Hey, we're going to have an event at this facility because that was available at the time we needed it, you know, and, and it's this pick yeah. and pull of trying to make things work versus you guys getting out in front of things and kind of paying attention from day one as to, hey, what are the needs of the human? What are the needs of the animal? What are we trying to accomplish? Here's some equipment that could fit that or does not fit that and and give those recommendations for what the day when that operation comes or, the, or that event is held, right? Everything's done seamlessly, it's done safely, and it's done effectively. Right. And I love how you just came right back to that innovation and safety because yeah. even in the facility design, that's what it's about. How do we yeah. create innovative solutions, you know, for these complex buildings uh, that have a ton of purposes throughout the year? And how do we make it work for every single one of those the safest way possible, whether yeah. there's livestock present or not? It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, we've covered an incredible amount of history. We've covered tons and tons of products that you guys have to offer. All this success has not come without trial, right? And I know oh, no. in 2008, <laughs> there was a, a devastating fall in the steel market that, that placed some challenges on Prefert. I can't say maybe as catastrophic or as different as this COVID deal is, but 2008 was kind of a trying time for the for the company. Let's talk about maybe where you were, what happened, and how you guys were able to recover and, and prove successful after the fact. Okay, absolutely. You know, business had been going great. Uh, 2008 came. We had the huge recession that hit, I think, everybody in this country really, really hard. It was uh-huh. about the same time that the equine market also um, took a nosedive. So it was a really tough time for us. And being family owned and operated, Bill and his boys, I mentioned, they're there at the plant every single day. The plant literally borders the family ranch. So, I mean, half the time they drive to work on their four wheelers, right? So, I mean, not a bad they can, right? Not bad at all. But they consider their employees like family. It's one big prefer family. So when times got tough, sales fell off, the steel market was all over the place. We had the 204 steel tariffs hitting, you know, yeah. the situation was looking pretty bad pretty fast. Something that was super important to Bill personally was he didn't want to have to lay people off. He knew we were headed for tough economic times. And for every worker that's in our plant, there is a spouse and there are children, for the most part, back home that that worker might be supporting. So it's not just an effect on one employee. Every time you affect an employee, you're affecting a family. So that was really personal to Bill. So we started looking around and said, what else can we do? What else is in our wheelhouse? So I mentioned steel earlier. We helped out our neighbors here in the trailer business by starting to sell them steel. We made a little money. They saved a little money. Everybody won. Yeah. And then we also uh, started building three-point equipment, which is not something we build now. Um, but we said, we've got to have something else to do to keep our workers busy. There was a need from our dealers for that equipment at that time. It could ride on the same trucks with their ranch equipment and their equine equipment. Uh, so we went to work, and in just a couple of months, our we split up R and D group. We had R and D guys take groups of welders and kind of become teams. We broke up a variety of different three point implements and said, "You guys are going to build mowers. You guys are going to figure out how to do tillers. You guys are going to figure out how to do harrows." You know, we we broke them up. They designed them, and within about two months, we had a full line of products designed that we had never built before. That is that gave the guys. And the, it's so quick. It was crazy to watch it. And from a marketing standpoint, right, we're, we're out here taking pictures and videos like every day trying to put together this yeah. whole line of products that doesn't exist that we can launch as fast as humanly possible because we want to keep the guys in the shop welding things. We want to keep trucks rolling and delivering things, which means the sales guys had to have information to sell it. And it was something that was new to all of us. So we all learned a lot in a hurry about yeah, yeah, three-point implements. But we built those up through about, I think, 2012, 2014. We had that line, uh, and that kind of helped us weather that storm. So we, we looked around and said, what do we do? What can we do? What are we good at? Uh, that was in our wheelhouse. And so that really helped us avoid those major layoffs that you saw a lot of other manufacturers have. And and it helped us gain sales money um, from a market that we weren't already in because we knew our existing market was going to be down in revenue. So that's that's really how we weathered that storm and, and came out stronger for it. So a lot of lessons learned in that very difficult time, um, but one that we were able to keep the doors open, keep our employees working, uh, and not have to have those massive layoffs that a lot of the companies had. And it's an absolutely incredible blessing, right? Because a lot of companies during that same exact time frame, I mean, they had to lay people off. They had to close doors. They had to fold up shop. And, and if we use Prefer by way of example, right, all of that history going into 2008, 
is lost on a building that, or excuse me, on a company that walks away. And for you guys to be able to keep mouths fed, keep employees in the shop doing what they love, doing what they do, and almost reinvent yourself in some new markets to, to keep the doors open. It's just, it's most commendable. And, and again, we've harped on it in this show, but the history proves itself, right? You guys are a family owned operation. You are big on innovation. You are big on safety. And it seems like whether it's success or a challenge, those, those pillars are always present. Well, right. And you, you said, you know, it's a blessing. And that really is. That's something else that's really important to the Prefect family is their faith. You know, I mentioned that when Marvin saw that the, the Orange Grove had frozen over, he took that as a sign from God. Yeah. Uh, so God has played a big role in our success from the get-go. And the family is very quick to give him the credit uh, and to, to let everybody in the company know, hey, we're praying for your family. When they say that and they mean it, it's not just yeah. something they're saying, you know, to make themselves sound nice. But, um, you know, that's something that's important to the family is their faith. So, you know, that family feeling, that feeling of faith, that feeling of, you know, responsibility to take care of the employees and their family is something that comes, you know, top down in the company from Bill through his boys, uh, all the way through our employees. We're, we're very blessed to have amazing people uh, that in hard times like these and back in 2008, uh, we pull together. You know, when when you trust the guy or the girl that's next to you, it makes it easier to lean on them. Yeah. Obviously not yeah. while we're social distancing, lean on them <laughs> in the proverbial way. Um, but that does make it easier to, to pull together and kind of weather these storms and, and come out stronger on the other side. And it's so true, right? When you go to work and, and you view your coworker as family and not literally just a coworker, you know, you're willing to stretch yourself a little thin. You're willing to go that extra mile. You're willing to dig a little deeper. And it's incredible that you guys have, have been such amazing stewards of, of all of the talents that you've been given through the industry top, top to bottom, right through, through the company top to bottom with, with the innovation and the safety and the marketing and the sales. And there's a lot of moving parts and and for you guys to stay so effective, to stay so efficient, to stay so passionate it's a huge testament to the organization and the foundation and the culture that's been developed. Well, and I thank you so much for those kind words. And, and I'm just going to pass all of that credit right on to the Prefort family, you yeah. know, and their yeah. faith and their leadership. You know, that, that really is where it starts from us. And then uh, we're just very blessed to have a lot of great employees that, that adhere to those same values and beliefs yeah. that bring us all together. Absolutely. Most commendable, most commendable. So in moving here, in the, into the future, right? I mean, Prefert is is founded on innovation. What what are the future directions of the company? What are some new challenges? Maybe some new ventures that that Prefert might be looking into. Actually, we have something great that I can talk about that we are getting ready to launch the next couple of weeks. We talked earlier about our Ponderosa fence. Correct. We actually have a new all metal fence option coming out. We understand there are parts of the country where you know. Wood just isn't going to hold up as long as metal because mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. elements outside of our control. Thank you, Mother Nature. Yes. Um, so something that has kind of that same look and feel, but that is an all-metal option, is going to be coming out very, very soon. Um, we've got some really cool new innovations, both in the cattle and the roping industries, that are going to be coming out probably in the next couple of years. Um, one thing that Bill feels very strongly about, if you can't make a product better than one that's out there or make it just as good as the very best, but at a less expensive price for the consumer, then we don't make it. Right. So that's one of the reasons, for example, the hydraulic squeeze chute, everybody's like, why don't you make a hydraulic squeeze? You make everything else for cattle. Why don't you make that? Well, so far we haven't found a way to either make one better than the best or make it equally good in quality, but cheaper in price. That's incredible benchmark to stick to. Well, it's just, it's good business, yeah, you know, from, from Bill's standpoint, he's Absolutely. like, if you can't sell it cheaper for just as good, or if you can't make it better, why are you going to get into that market? Let's spend our time figuring out some other problem that we can solve, you know, in a market that maybe needs us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there will be some new things coming out, like I said, in cattle and in the rodeo markets um, very, very soon. We actually just finished up a redesign on a bunch of our equine equipment over the last year. We made changes that probably most consumers would never even notice when they looked at our equine feeders or our stalls or the way our stall feeders attach, things like that, Mm -hmm. but all that made them stronger and safer. So um, before all of this COVID craziness hit us, that was what we were working on was kind of a relaunch of the Preferred Equine brand. So you'll be seeing that hopefully roll out before year end, Um, really kind of putting some spotlight and focus on maybe those smaller, less flashy items, but that are now stronger and safer for your horses. So 
kind of branding that equine product to everybody in the equine world, not just the folks that wear, you know, boots and cowboy hats, but, but for every horse and every discipline and every type of rider. Yeah, I'll tell you, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be more than interested because we just bought a place here recently, uh, end of last year and we were in the process of taking it from bare land to an equine facility. And obviously that's kind of how a lot of, uh, our interest in having Prefer featured on the show was, right? Our, our own research and, in looking into the innovations of the products, looking at the safety of the products. And, and the biggest thing is the affordability. Cause I couldn't tell you how many times over people tell me, you know, Hey, well, you know, that Prefer, that's a big name. It's got to be expensive. It's got to be expensive. But when you get down to brass tacks and actually do the shopping on it, uh, not, not even in the slightest, right? You guys are very, very competitive right. price point and, for me, even if it was a more expensive price point, the safety in which you guys build the product and and uh, design and engineer the product, that's going to pay itself off tenfold. And that's what I try to explain to people. How come, for example, right when you start talking about the J-hooks on the legs and things of that sort, when you get a horse hung up and destroys the lower half of their leg, would you have been willing to pay the extra dollar or two for the panel at that point? You know, Absolutely. You cannot compromise, in my opinion, right? You cannot compromise uh, a few dollars in financial savings when it comes to the safety or the effectiveness of, of a piece of equipment when it comes to an animal or, or a family member. Right. And what, what you're really talking about there is value. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you want to go dollar for dollar, pound for pound, we are by far the best value on the market. Now, yeah. we may not be the cheapest price on a 10-foot panel. You might could buy a 10-foot panel from someone else for less money per panel. But if you compare... Truly, apples to apples, you look at the way they connect. Do they have leg traps? Do they stick in the ground? Or are they going to move away from your horse if your horse puts pressure on it? Is the paint going to hold up? You know, how soon are you going to have to replace that versus how long is it going to last? When you start looking at all of those things and you start adding up the math on, okay, well, I have to replace it in five years. That's the same amount of money again. You very quickly see how, how buying the quality and durability that we put into our products actually does save you money in the long run. The cool thing, I mentioned David Bynum a couple times, Bill's brother-in-law, our first sales manager. When we first started powder coating, um, he has the first set of powder coated panels at his house. He lives about, no kidding. He lives about a mile from the plant, right? Yeah. And he's the reason we build rope and shoots. He and his kids liked to team rope. And so he convinced Bill to let him start building a rope and shoot in the shop. So lots of cool David Bynum stories on a side note. We could do a whole podcast <laughs> about him. But those original powder-coated panels, he took home and built a roping arena with. They're still there. They're still standing. One or two of them looks like it's had maybe a little bit of a rough life. Yeah. Don't know if that's hey. his fault, the kid's fault, or just Mother Nature. Rex happened, but right? <laughs> <laughs> the majority of those panels... If you took a little bit of WD-40, or not WD-40, excuse me, some California gold out there and cleaned them up, they would look just as good as they did the day they were powder coated. And that's been over 20 years ago. We've been powder coating for over 20 years. It's incredible. So these are 20-year-old panels that haven't rusted down, that are still standing, that make up his roping arena. And we laugh and we joke with him. And we're like, yeah, it's because, you know, you just don't want to go spend money on new panels. You know, you're just being cheap by keeping those old panels. But really, there's nothing wrong with them. They look yeah. great, just and, like the day they came off the line. And that's how I first shot for the product, right? Is it when I started looking at everything, I said, okay, well, what happens What happens when things go bad, right? When the big wreck happens or the horse doesn't right. take well to this or gets hung up, right? Um, is a panel going to give? Is it going to prevent my animal from getting hurt? And, and all those boxes start getting checked. Yes, 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 yes. And it's just the confidence in a consumer, right? The confidence knowing that when I pin up an animal, that animal is as safe as it can possibly be. Or if we're running in an arena, right? That arena is right. as safe as it could possibly be um, to prevent the the bills and the devastation and the heartache down down the road. Absolutely. Because, I mean, when you're dealing with livestock of any kind, horses, cattle, whatever it may be, it's not if there's going to be a wreck. It's yeah. when there's going to be a wreck, will right? will go bad. At, it's going to happen. At some point, something's going to go off the rails. Yeah. But when it happens, you know, have you put yourself in the best position possible to come out of that on the other side with the fewest injuries? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's and that's kind of how you have to look at it. Nothing's going to be 100% safe and bomb-proof all the time. But if you can look at all of the things that commonly happen or that are likely to happen and try to engineer those away as much as possible, yeah. you know, that that's kind of how we approach it. It's Yeah, it's basic risk mitigation, right? There's too many variables to say, absolutely, this is 110% safe. But as long as you can eliminate or justify as many of them as possible and, and do so in your favor, then why not? In my in my opinion, right? Why not? Absolutely. And, and that's kind of what we do. And like I said, it gets back to that family aspect, yeah. you know, yeah. for... For David, he and his kids were the ones roping. So that roping chute needed to be safe for them to operate. The panels that they're roping in in that arena needed to be safe for them to ride in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
It all comes back to family in the end and protecting them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So towards the end of each episode, we always ask a question and the question is usually formulated around uh, freedom, right? And and obviously the theme of this show. So in your experience or your knowledge of the preferred family and the preferred business, right? Uh, And we touched a little bit about it uh, in the 2008 fall of the market. What is something that preferred may have been challenged with at any point in their history, and and something that they had done to overcome such challenge and provide that business and that family and their employees a little bit more freedom uh, for success in the long run. So really, when it comes to freedom, uh, I love the fact that we're talking about freedom. That's something we really haven't brought up. But I mentioned very briefly that Marvin uh, served in World War II. So the fact that we are a family-owned company, we are made in America, we are faith-based from our leadership, all of those things are a big deal. Supporting our troops, the number of veterans that work for us, uh, that's a big deal. So freedom is something that, again, is kind of personal to the Prefort family. And overcoming challenges, I think it's kind of who we are every day. It started with Marvin overcoming that challenge of, I've got to move my family somewhere I can support them. My plan fell through with the Orange Grove. Now I've got to learn a new skill. And turning that moment of what could have been, hey, we're going to starve to death because we've used all our money our plans fell through, what are we going to do now, into an opportunity to say, okay, here are the skills I can fall back on, here's the land God put in front of me, and here's a product I can make that can feed my family, to growing that to something that then fed multiple families, right? The first shop, they actually poured concrete in that back backyard building, and they had 25 people working in that shop uh, in a very short period of time, and then we've grown from there, obviously, to things like we talked about in 2008, where it's like, okay, here we are with a hardship, How do we use what we have? How do we use our tools and our innovation to take care of people? And so that's kind of what we've done. Um, One of the other things that we've done in recent years is we've put a big emphasis actually on bringing in veterans and bringing in active duty uh, National Guard members, you know, who are serving but also have a civilian job um, because we know that they bring those same types of mentalities to their work, you know, problem solving, community, taking care of others and taking care of their coworkers. Um, so that's something that's really helped us. So I think for Prefert, truly their story has been one of overcoming those challenges, um, doing it uh, with faith in God and faith in our country, and trying to make not just their family, but all those families around them stronger for it. And as you described this, this last segment here, what I think is most incredible is you talked about taking care of people, right? Your, your employees are more than just an asset. The consumer that you serve are more than just an asset for for financial freedom as far as the company goes. I mean, the genuine care that each employee has in in the job that they do, in the product that they put out, that in and of itself will sell the product 10 times over, in my opinion. And, And I think so many more industries would be so much farther along if they took that same approach to the people that that serve in any given organization, right? If they place the priority on the person and truly take care of that individual, the big picture is going to take care of itself. It's no question asked. Absolutely. And that's actually something I've heard the prefects talk about, you know, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of everything else. It's not about taking care of a job or a duty or a task. Mm -hmm. It's about taking care of a person, not just an employee, but a person and their family. If they like coming to work, if they like the people they work with, if they like the environment they're in, they're willing to give that little bit extra, work that little bit longer or a little bit harder. And they do it in an environment where they feel free to share their ideas, share their hopes and dreams to, you know, to bond with their coworkers, with management, with the Prefort family, where they truly feel invested. You know, they're a part of the company. They're a part of the Prefort family at large, if you will, uh, where they take pride in what they do. It's not just a job where I go in and build a widget and it gets sold, you know, down the line somewhere. employee number, yeah. Right. No, you. it's something where they turn on the National Finals Rodeo and they see that prefect name on the upright of the buck and shoot. And they're like, hey, I helped do that. Yeah, that's I incredible. was a part of that. That's incredible. You know? Yeah. And and the fact that they get to take that pride and that the prefect family shares that with all their employees is, is huge. Because at the end of the day, I know I keep saying it, but that's what it's really about. It's about family. Uh, the prefect family who have the last name prefect and then the prefect family that all work uh, in our plant and in our offices. And the thing is, too, is that it's it's... It's more than just making money, right? It's it's a genuine reinvestment in, like you talked about, the world 
that the Prefert, not only the physical Prefert family, right, but all the employees, it's the world in which they exist, right? The cattle industry, the equine industry, it's what these people do day in and day out. And so for each and every person to have such buy-in and improving the quality of product and improving the industry as a whole or industries as a whole, it's just, it's most commendable. And that's where the value comes from. That's where the fire and the momentum comes from versus just, hey, I need to make this because I got to get so many panels out this week and this is just my job. Right. You know, they're a part of the industry. The people they're building this for are family members, are friends, you know, partners in the industry. It's not just a random consumer X. It's, you know, it's people they know and they feel passionate about and passionate towards. And and we're very blessed with a lot of the employees I mentioned coming from this lifestyle or this background. You know, we're situated in northeast Texas. It's a rural part of the state. So a lot of our employees have animals. They have cattle at home or they have horses at home or you know, they have our dog kennels at home for their dogs. So it truly is a passion uh, for a way of life and not just a job. It's absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you what, Courtney, I thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule amidst all this chaos, right, of having to work from home and run the business and, and do your normal duties. And for you to make time for everybody here at Let Freedom Rain podcast and help us kind of better understand Prefert other than what's on a brochure or people might see the glimpse of the name, you know, in, in an event or on a panel. Uh, it's it's incredible to see Prefert living, truly living the American dream. It is a company that supports Americans. It is a company that makes everything in America and in turn gives it back to those that drive this country. It's just absolutely incredible. We can't thank you enough. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share a little bit about the Prefert story and Thank you for what you do and sharing all the stories that you share that are important to our industry. Yes, ma'am. I sure appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thank you, Jason. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash let freedom reign podcast and rain is spelled r-e-i-n there you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content for collaborations to book us as a guest for your next event or to make guest recommendations email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com for the most up-to-date information on let freedom rain visit our facebook and instagram page at let freedom rain podcast additionally you can find us on twitter at let freedom rain underscore We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.